DJ Shadow is Joshua Paul Davis, an American hip-hop producer and DJ. Appearing on the scene in 1996, DJ Shadow debuted an influential instrumental hip-hop album titled Introducing. With his collection of over 60,000 vinyl records, Shadow continues to probe novel musical enclaves. You're tuned in to Roots to Grooves. Well, hello. Hello. What's up, Jay? How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you doing? I'm well. Roots to Grooves. Roots to Grooves. Episode numero dos. Dos. I was going to try and do that in my head. I was thinking I would get it synchronized this time so we could. <laughs> Next time. Third time's a charm. But once it gets to a certain number, my Spanish numbers run out. I don't know. Could you, could okay. you turn me down a little bit? A little hot in my ears. You can turn your uh, headphone down. I think. Check, check. Sounds good. Yeah. Yeah, it was a little bit hot. Okay, cool. All right. DJ here Shadow. Are. DJ Shadow, here we are. I will turn it down, actually. It's loud for me as well. Okay, we're... Technical yeah. difficulties. Technical. It's only our second show here. So. Exactly. Manning all of the audio equipment ourselves. But DJ Shadow, here we are talking about him today. Um, I admit I'm a little bit of a fanboy. It was my suggestion. I think week. I've heard you talk about him before. <laughs> and so he was in yeah. my psyche. Right. Um, kind of from your brain. Yeah. So legendary, uh, influential DJ um producer from um california yeah yeah and davis uh, california davis california is where Super he grew cool up guy. yeah and uh he's uh that's where he started out in the 90s mm -hmm. uh and so when i first heard about him it was early 2000s okay. so he'd been around for like maybe 10 years or so been on the point. scene for like yeah a decade yeah. or so yeah i sort of knew about him when his first album introducing came out uh-huh great um, album so i i got turned yeah. on to that we can talk about that in a little a little yeah, bit yeah 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 so super great album yeah so he's uh like i say from california um started out um he i guess how he got into music was listening through to a lot of hip-hop and then playing yeah. around with a four-track tape recorder and some turntables. Yeah, when, when, when he was still in high school? <laughs> when he was still in high school in Davis, California. Um, I don't know if I've ever yeah. seen one of these. I hear them in these cool stories, four-track recording devices. Yeah, I used to have uh, an eight-track back in the late 90s. And it was like a cassette tape. Mm -hmm. You had to buy a special cassette tape with a had like a thicker type of tape in it yeah. because you're trying to multi-track different things onto the same thing. Gotcha. Um, I don't know what yeah. you're talking about. It sounds cool, though. I'm, <laughs> I'm interested. Yeah, it was, it's basically like a mixing desk. Yeah, and okay. Then, and then you can record. So he had a four-track one, so you can only do four in, individual channels. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, you know, you can record. Basically, that's it. Like so very limited. It, Extremely uh, at this limited, time, we yeah. didn't have Pro Tools with the no. 500 tracks. No. It's just, imagine Pro Tools if, if you couldn't cut anything it's just it is what it is like <laughs> i can't imagine these people making these this music cutting yeah physical things yeah you it's can insane. only you can only well so with that you didn't have to cut anything so it's not like the real to real tape machines okay they used to do that's that. a little bit different so this one's literally just a cassette tape in the machine you record like that i think pretty much all the only other thing you can do is what they call bouncing down bounce it down yeah so if you've got so if i was recording a drum kit with four channels kick snare hat mm. i could bounce all those down onto one channel and i got three channels again to mess around with <laughs> Ooh, so much fun but it was so fun. room for activities yeah. and i think that's kind of how his uh style and approach dj shell's style and approach to music came about because out of those limitations right we t actually talked about right. that in episode one about being in a box yeah it's um, kind of a kind of a theme like yeah it. yeah and uh you know and of course he's not an instrumentalist he's not a musician mm-hmm He's a DJ first, and uh, so his approach to music comes from finding pre-existing records, sampling them, uh, and then, you know, having um, samplers. I think that's the only other piece of the kit. He, he, I don't know if he had it to start with, but he acquired at some point was that ability to take all those samples, sequence them, create a beat, and then yeah, record I, that onto his tape track. Even with the, the first yeah. album introducing, he was using like three... Like a couple mm -hmm. turntables, yeah. a little processing 
unit mm -hmm. and then maybe one other like the four track recording device yeah like super limited and i think yeah. he was even going to his buddy's house who had pro tools at the yeah. you know, very early on pro tools yeah really early version yeah so and he I, was just he was just doing it diy how can i do this yeah and I, I was reading interviews and stuff and he didn't know what he was doing he was fully admitting i don't know what i'm doing <laughs> i know panning and right. i know some eq and yeah. that's about it and otherwise yeah it's incredible that he made a such a hot album that people that resonated with people totally yeah so introducing was his first um he'd done some stuff before then but mm -hmm. introducing was the thing that really made him big right um so before yeah. that we could start and he was mm. he was doing some singles he was yeah. on a mo wax record label so that came later yeah well so he but, um he was working with some people on that label i, I believe yes I and mean, you know better than i well yes yeah, so mo wax is a out of the uk um, James Lavelle is mm -hmm. this uh, guy that founded that label and he was you know in his 20s as well in London yeah. um, DJ himself um, was tapped into a lot of uh, stuff that was happening over here mm -hmm. that wasn't getting released or put out in the UK at all um, and so that's kind of how like he that so there's this earlier track before introducing that DJ Shadow did called Influx I think yeah 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 Influx uh, yeah and uh so he'd heard a few of these things and I think he convinced uh, Shadow, like, can we release this in the UK kind of thing? <laughs> and that's how that relationship started. And then so when Shadow had the introducing album together um, and ready, like Moax put that out mm -hmm. in the UK and really kicked off both of their careers. Um, you know, Moax is now a defunct label, but at the time it was, uh, it was that label to go to for underground hip-hop and just like that graffiti culture and all that kind of new stuff that was coming out yeah so he yeah. i mean some of his idols back in the day dj premiere yeah. i don't know if you're familiar with them i didn't know yeah. any of the names but yeah dj premiere classic uh mantronics familiar yeah. i wasn't until i dived into some yeah until i started yeah, yeah. reading some of these names yeah. and i was diving in and it's a whole world for me to explore i'm like i'm not coming from the hip-hop or yeah. rap side of music yeah, yeah like i was saying in the, the other episode yeah um so it's 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 a beautiful space to you know enter and explore um yeah. pete rock yeah steinsky uh, no, i like these guys names by the way <laughs> yeah uh, large professor mm. hip-hops have to have the have to have, like these are like band names essentially and they're kind of cool i know yeah <laughs> ultra magnetic <laughs> platoon prince mm. paul yeah uh, good uh, names yeah. so this is this is in in shadow's head this is where he's coming from this is what he's trying to recreate yeah and everything that i saw what he's talking about which i think is really cool is this guy's super humble mm. he's he's just trying to recreate these things in a new way and and pay homage to them yeah um and not just copy them yeah and he's given all the credit to all these other people whose influences his sound mm -hmm. yeah um yeah because he mentioned curtis mantronic as being mm -hmm. uh like a because I never heard about his influence on his own sound, actually, because cause the sample culture is about, I always thought about, you know, um, grabbing breaks, yeah. beats, bass lines, mm -hmm. just putting a solid foundation down for, like, rappers to, to be over kind of thing. Right. Um, but he actually, DJ Shadow, yeah, mentioned all of these groups and other people that were doing a similar thing that influenced him even more right. in the sample culture. So, yeah, like, Curtis Mantronic was apparently someone he really mentioned he was doing that same sort of thing mm. um grabbing all kinds of things and i don't know if you've heard of the amen amen break you i the think end? i have it's <laughs> kind of a it's a prominent one that a lot of artists have used yeah the same one over used in different around. ways and it, it yeah most people wouldn't be able to tell oh that's that one maybe yeah. if you're in the industry or something yeah oh yeah i mean able to recognize it yeah like and it's yeah been heavily used in a lot of hip-hop and drum and bass as well because like they sped up Oh, that was like the foundation of drama base. Yeah, okay. that's like okay. the amen break. Yeah. Where did that come from? Where do you know that? Originally yeah, from? I forgot the the name of the band and the drama, but it was this old record that was released in the seventies or something like that. Cool. And, and uh, people still use it today. Yeah, and I think there's a whole documentary about the the drummer that played it. He mm -hmm. unfortunately passed away. Um, you know, not rich. Didn't. You know, it was just a. It was a part. It was literally. 
two seconds of a beat. And he had no play. idea this was going to turn into a yeah. He didn't know I don't a think. thing that hip hop yeah. artists all around the world are going to use for years and years. Decades. Exactly. Yeah. And and you know when you're in those old funk bands in the seventies playing tracks like that, of course the industry's different as well. You know, mm -hmm. labels are just paying you to come in and do your session like a lot of those Motown artists right you know musicians that played on Motown tracks mm -hmm. just got paid for the day to come in lay some bass down and well now they're on this like classic yeah 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 we're, <laughs> we're off no royalties but yeah um, uh, that's kind of the name of the game you, you yeah as an artist I guess it's interesting you don't know if you're going to get any uh anything back from this all this time you're putting into this project all this love yeah and some of them some of them get hit and uh yeah. blow up and people like it some of them never know until years later yeah and it's the struggle of being a musician right what do you, the artist struggle what does success look like what yeah. is success what do i want what do i want out of this where am i going what am i mm -hmm. i mean yeah these big philosophical questions and i think yeah these uh these albums and this art this music um, gives people to a way to contribute love into in the rest of society to sh yeah. a way to share the love that they're putting into the music yeah so i think it's super cool and i think dj shadow is a great example of an artist who really cares about his music and really cares about the history of it um speaking of which that's what one of the main proponents of this guy he's like a crate digger he mm -hmm. he just loves going through many albums yeah. going into the basement of the the yeah. record shop yeah. just looking around for days 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 mm -hmm. i think he has a, a collection of over sixty thousand records yeah. yeah i also heard that uh a record store he used to dig out all the time unfortunately the owner passed away and his wife was um trying to sell all the records mm -hmm. in the stop shop and uh they went to shadow and was like do you want this stuff <laughs> and he, he bought them right yeah he said uh him and a friend they they bought half a million records for uh, uh, 10 grand yeah ten thousand yeah. dollars didn't know what any of them were just bought them just but, uh, just yeah. stacks of records yeah, yeah didn't know who the artists were yeah and so, you know, and that's part of his whole digging thing is, you know, he'll literally listen to everything. I think he said he's also a collector. Like he, yeah. he, he wants to own all of the hip hop records from the 80s and the 90s. Yeah. All and, the, you know, the, all the demo tapes. That right, right, right. Artists used to put out. He said he had a, an early Tribe Called Quest demo tape on cassette. You know, oh, a lot yeah, of yeah, like, uh, yeah, like Q-tip beats on it. I that's mean, this is sick. amazing. Like no one no one can hear that stuff because mm -hmm. it's just literally just out there i mean ancient like, artifact it is like yeah, yeah dig that up and archaeologists yeah, yeah. but 100 um, years from now yeah but yeah like, coming back to what you're saying as well we're like giving love to other artists and that that was kind of an in, it's kind of an interesting thing about the sample culture in general because i don't know if you knew about like all of the kind of conversation in media or around music about hip-hop and, and sampling like whether it's a good thing or a bad thing that you're stealing from other people to create your own some people were saying right. that sort of thing i don't know um, what people i don't know i i think about that myself a lot yeah. I, I don't know if i look it up and see what other people are saying i guess maybe i should read about it a little bit more but it's a conflict in my head because i think it's super cool and there's music that i, I never would have thought to listen to and it's super good and like how are they making these wacky sounds where are they coming from? Yeah. It's an art in itself to put these things together and make something new. Yeah. Uh, with with using these actual tracks, mm. but creating a brand new track. Yeah. Is the idea, and so it's a it's a spectrum. Some yeah. some artists like kind of use the same exact thing, and it sounds pretty close to what it was before. Otherwise, you can process it a little bit more, and it sounds like a completely new sound. Yeah, yeah. And with like the world of music that's out there. I think it's, you know, it'd be different if uh, if all Shadow did was sampling the Beatles or the Rolling Stones, mm -hmm. like n known. Just everybody stuff. knows yeah. that part of that song. <laughs> but like he's just finding obscure records that only 70 of them mm -hmm. were printed by some weird local band in Chicago or something. Can Just random. He's, he's just taking that guitar riff or whatever. And then I think and, he, yeah. it seems like he makes a point of. Yeah. looking for stuff that nobody else knows or yeah. probably hasn't heard at least in the last you know few years or so yeah and not really like i feel like he's into all types of different genres as well like he mm -hmm. listens to punk records and rock and funk and i heard one of his yeah. um when i was li listening through his music and it's like a heavy rock song almost yeah i can't remember yeah. what the track was called but i was like like this guy's dynamic he, he doesn't yeah. care what he's using yeah 
Yeah. That's the thing. Like, He's so, colorful. Yeah, like I'm not a hip hop head. Same, <laughs> yeah. same. But you know, but I I like a lot of hip hop and that. And um, yeah, DJ Shadow is considered hip hop, but then within his body of work are these crazy instrumental mm -hmm. like rock tunes almost kind of thing yeah right? so that's yeah. what he's he's kind of doing he, yeah. he makes these super cool beats it's mostly instrumental mm -hmm. he uses a, some audio um some vocal clips here and there sparsely yeah. used i think yeah most of his discography is instrumental would you say yeah i think it's changed change we can talk about this later how he's evolved as an artist and mm -hmm. like his later stuff, like his new latest albums have a lot more lyrics right? and vocalists on them. Um, but yeah, most of his stuff by himself in the early days was all instrumental. Apart from though his, uh, there was this uh, underground hip hop label out of the Bay area called soul sides. Mm -hmm. And I think it was like a crew of like rappers and other producers. Um, so he worked a lot with them, uh, like just providing beats to those artists like a uh, black delicious is another artist that was out there around then another, guy called, another great name yeah great name lyrics born who used to go by asia born apparently mm -hmm. um uh and so this is kind yeah. of where he developed his style he was just kind of mixing stuff yeah putting stuff together yeah. working with other people yeah um and up until um introducing came out yeah so that one has some sparse vocals on it it's super good it's it's I, it was in the Guinness World Record books. Yeah, the, for being the 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 first completely sampled record. Yeah, is that that's awesome? Yeah. Is, is that true? I haven't I mean, been keeping up on my Guinness World <laughs> Records. It must be. Um, yeah, if that's what they say. Because yeah, I mean, before then, you know, there's there's been a lot of sampling right in early hip hop music uh -huh. but they always came with vocals right you know? so i guess that's the difference and it's yeah. instrumental so that's yeah yeah so super so, cool record yeah yeah and so it's interesting that if you do a little bit more digging you can find like the original songs mm -hmm. um or records that he took parts from kind of thing which is really interesting to hear the original records because you wouldn't even have thought how do you how did he make that out of that <laughs> yeah and actually i took yeah. the time I, I watched this um it was some seminar of a professional uh what do you audio engineer mm -hmm. or you know music engineer yeah and he was teaching a class basically showing um an example of one of shadow's um tracks and kind of breaking it down piece by piece and actually showing the people how he broke it down took the snapshot edited it processed it and made it what it was into yeah. the into the finished track. Yeah. So super cool to see that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Sampling is super cool, and I, I want to learn more about it. Yeah. Have you ever, have you ever done any of sampling yourself? Or well, I was thinking about it the other day. Yeah. I I kind of do, even though I'm using guitars and stuff. But I'll I'll record essentially my own samples. Like, oh, maybe this is a good idea. Mm. Maybe that's a good idea. And so I'll have Pro Tools open, and there'll be like a hundred different ideas. Yeah. And I'll end up sampling myself, kind of. Yeah. In a way, it's a little bit different. But I'll be like, oh, I'll take this chunk of that guitar, put it here, and begin writing it. Yeah. Um, it's kind of the way Krongbin was doing it, and you know, chop yeah. it up, make it what I want, and then go back and learn it and play it and have it recorded the right way. Yeah. I think that's a like an interesting way to work, especially mm -hmm. I think that can like get you through um, writer's block and stuff like that. Yeah. If you've got, if you're not worrying about writing or building a song, you're just like coming up with little parts. Right. All the time that you can go back yeah, to later. Yeah, piece by piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you don't need to write a whole masterpiece in, in one exactly, session. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> it, it's super cool to see how this stuff is broken down into tiny spots. And these artists are literally breaking, taking a, a drum beat and then yeah. being able to replay it. It's I don't even know how to talk about it, the vernacular and the, yeah. the words, the vocabulary, because they have all these boxes with buttons on them and they put a drum beat on one of them and then hit it and re-record it and process it and yeah you yeah. know sampling guys i don't know Sam if you guys know what we're talking about but i'm i'm i'm, I'm learning you know <laughs> well let me show you jesse this book uh it's called behind the beat behind the beat that looks great yeah. you've uh, always when'd you get that where'd you get that uh and i found out about it through the internet <laughs> Someone was talking about it, and uh, what's it got inside? And it is a book that features a lot of photos of all kinds of hip hop producers in their home studio environment. So you can see 
what their their place looks like. You got people like Chief XL in here, Dan the Automator, DJ Shadow, Cut Chemist, uh, DJ Premiers in here, Newmark, Jay Diller as well. Jay Diller. There's right at the end on page one fifty is Jay Diller's studio. Okay. I'm gonna have to give me a copy of that book. Yeah, I'll show you. There's a couple of pages in here that you can peruse right now or oh, something. <laughs> let's just hit no, all the let's cameras just hit all the cameras <laughs> um this is super cool but this I, that's like another and i'll put we'll put some uh, of those photos up on the, the video yeah. for the viewers at home but like uh it's really interesting to see um you know the environments that people make music in as well and especially this type of music you know it's like Yes, they are sampling, but look at the gear they have. They have got keyboards as well and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> Samplers. And, and I mean, yeah, yeah. and it is cool because this stuff was originally recorded, even if it wasn't the same artist. Yeah. There was a guy on the drum set at yeah. some point in the past yeah. Exactly, yeah. creating this, yeah. these vibrations that come through speakers, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so um, let's play a track. You got a track ready off of yeah. uh, introducing? Yeah, we could do that or... Uh, or there's the track um, that got him signed to Moax, but I think that's really long. So, but we could do either or. Um, do that when you have loaded up. Yeah. Yeah. In, okay. Influx. Um, this Sick. is the track that it's a track he did before introducing, but it didn't actually get officially released in, until after introducing came out. Okay, I see. He, he put out an album called Preemptive Strike, which included all of his random tracks that he did from like 93 to 97 mm -hmm. and compilation it, yeah compilation but it's really good listenable album just to like it's just crazy it's just yeah. weird it's like a different direction than introducing it's more it seems more um experimental in a way mm -hmm. less hip-hoppy lot you know you got like really long like six minute seven minute tracks mostly instrumental still all instrumental mm -hmm. apart from like his little weird vocal samples right, right, right. there's a bit like singing in there as well in, in some of these tracks but yeah I'll spin i don't it. know if i've heard that track i'd love to hear it now i'll spin it yeah influx the song about life death love hate wealth poverty racism just a few things been running through my head <laughs> Yeah, super vibey track. That's, yeah, that's like great. ten minutes long though. I was getting lost in it. <laughs> yeah, you get. Yeah. I sat here for an hour. I don't know, man. I spun that so many times, I uh -huh. just got lost in it. And the whole album's like that. Just kind of. No, I'm definitely yeah. gonna be playing this guy for a while. Yeah, so I got it here. You know, preemptive strike. Sick. With all this crazy artwork on here as well. I don't know who did it. Should have researched that. Always. Not good we'll put research. it in the comments somewhere. Put it in the comments. <laughs> um. Yeah. So, well, cool. So, so this guy comes out with introducing, mm -hmm. and it's and it, it resonates with the hip hop world. Um, people like it, yeah, and a lot of people outside the hip hop world as well. Like mm -hmm. a lot of uh, musicians that have come since, like especially out of the UK scene. Uh, there's a band called Cinematic Orchestra mm -hmm. that are. Um, there's a guy called Jason Swinsco, and he's basically the guy behind that band, nice. and he he's. Yeah, he just cites DJ. He just wanted to make music like DJ Shadow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so it's like crazy, it's, yeah. it's kind of gets flipped on him. He's trying to make yeah. music that he's inspired by, and then yeah. yeah, the artists who have been in the industry for a while are like, I yeah. want to do something like that now. Exactly. Yeah. So it's it's a conversation, which is super. It cool. is. It's the world of inspiration, right? Mm -hmm. You. It's just the more you put out into the world, the more you can inspire other people. And, you put you things know. in the world, and things mm -hmm. come back at you one way or another. I exactly. Think. Yeah. And yeah, and that's the really interesting thing about Shadow's music is that he's he's exploring all these weird worlds of old records. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, there was one uh, album he did, I think it was his first official album after introducing, called The Private Press. Okay. And uh, on that album, there's like all these little segments of like people talking. It was like 2002? Um, was that the second? Yeah, 2002. Okay. Yeah. Um, and the story, so yeah, on the record, there's like these little interludes between tracks and it's like people giving personal messages to their family and stuff like that. And uh, the thing he found out through his digging is back in the day, um, there was this whole thing in America where if people wanted to send a message to their family members, they'd go to the record store and then record an audio like message. Really? And then it would I've get... never heard of that. Yeah, and then it would get printed to vinyl and then sent 
in the mail in the mail and then sent to their family members wow that's amazingly old school i know and there's so for the process of his digging he found a bunch of these records that are randomly uh-huh. left in thrift, sh- thrift shops and stuff like that and so yeah some of those things is like that's yeah those are real people those in, are real people the from the history in the country telling someone family member about their life kind of thing it's, and, uh, it's cool instilling yeah. these these little habits of us yeah people on earth and putting it in something that's gonna you know now yeah. it's it's digital and his album's gonna be there forever and we can exactly it's yeah. uh you know how do you how do you say that it's all just right there it's nice yeah well i'm gonna go be a bit esoteric now uh-oh <laughs> Well, we're just thinking that if you think about that, like, you know how great the internet is, right? Uh-huh. But it's pretty good. It's pretty cool. It's pretty good. Got some good stuff in there. Got some, got a few good things on there. Right. Some bad things as well. Yeah, like some... Trump's Twitter account, for example. Yeah. Let's not go there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but not everything is on the internet, mm-hmm. you know? So you've got this whole history of people pressing things to vinyl, like small bands, you know, that were just putting out limited things they didn't get signed they didn't do very well they just like pulled their money together and made a record um those, yeah which is kind of yeah. sad i was when i'm seeing these stacks of records down in the basement or something and yeah. i think he made a point of saying like it's kind of you know it's some it's some sort of graveyard or something yeah like of, all um, these people were like i'm i'm trying to do this i want to be in the industry i want to be part of the conversation yeah graveyard and of dreams <laughs> it is and it's it's beautiful stuff it's yeah. it's the same same old you know you got to have death to have life so yeah exactly things come and go yeah and so just to think there's that whole world of that stuff out there Mm -hmm. that still exists that we haven't heard um i don't really know of any other artists that are that are digging in that way not that i've heard of yeah the caliber of this guy yeah a lot of people are just trying to find good bass lines or or parts of songs that just have beats on it that they can yeah, it's a little bit of a more lazy approach, I would say. <laughs> but I like that yeah. this guy goes the, the yeah. full extra mile and truly lives his... I think he even yeah. moved into the city at some point just like for the purpose of being closer to the record store. Oh, yeah. yeah I think I heard that. So it's like literally like a life for this guy. And yeah. He lives it the it's truest way. Obsessive in a way, but you know. You got to be a little obsessive to make cool stuff sometimes. I don't know. Everyone's think, different. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Without really truly diving into something, you can't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. So, so, um, 2002, he has that record Yeah. and then he goes on to the next record that's released in 2006, The Outsider. Um, yeah. But so before then, and I think before Preemptive Strike, he did this collaboration with James Lavelle. He was the guy that founded Mo Wax Records. Okay. Got you. And it was that whole uh, album from Uncle. Okay, and that's where he collaborated yeah. with a bunch of cool artists. Like, yeah. I mean, Tom York from Radiohead. Yeah, I yeah, think. Tom York from Radiohead is on a song there, Rabbit in Your Headlights. Fantastic song. They did a crazy music video for it as well. The nice. Next, yeah, uh, I don't know if you managed to see that, but it's uh, it's this kind of famous French actor that's in the in the music video. But mm-hmm. He's like a homeless guy that's like walking through a dark tunnel. No, I think I missed off to go back and check yeah. it out. Like in, walking through the opposite way through traffic. And then, and then a car, he keeps getting hit by cars as he's walking. It's okay. kind of dark. Okay. And yeah. then, and then at the end, like one car hits him and the car just like completely implodes and smashes. And he's just standing there with his arms out kind of thing. And this is all this Tom, head, uh, Tom York track. It sounds like a Tom York kind of movie too. Yeah. Really haunting song. I think, uh, so the way they did that, they recorded it in a day. Tom York came into the studio, laid some piano down and some vocals and then DJ Shadow went in there and put all the other like bits of trip hop drums in the background. And they did it all in one day mostly. Um, Tom York did his bit in a day. Oh, gotcha. And then, and then but the whole project they said they spent ten years on it. Um, oh, is that so not just with, project. Yeah, not just with Shadow, but like, it was something that James Lavelle wanted to do for ages. And okay, gotcha. Written a bunch of tracks by the producers, and it wasn't working out. And so he asked Shadow to come in and like do it basically mm-hmm. and i think they kind of sort of fell out in a way about that because james Deville was a really picky kind of perfectionist type of person i think he really he, he was the kind of steve jobs in that relationship where right he was like really riding shadow and i don't think it really it wasn't a great sort of environment because uncle have gone on and done other albums since then and shadow hasn't been involved in the rest yeah. of them but interesting but but the 
the first album, Science Fiction, it's called, with a P. It's, I, I don't know. I'm just going to be fanboying this episode. Let's but like, go. Do it. <laughs> and I have it here as well. But yeah, I want to see that. I don't know if I was able to listen to that one. Yeah. I, I didn't own this on vinyl for ages, but it's been one of my favorite albums forever. So It's cool album art. So I went on eBay and I, I found it. Nice. Let me grab that. I like it opens up. Yeah. Both sides kind of. Yeah, nice. Yeah, and it's an amazing, amazing album. It's got these weird kind of spacey vibes to it. Um, like, uh, I could even play. Yeah, can we get a little bit, snippet from here? A little bit of snippet. Uh, there's so many good tracks on here. Like I said, Rabbit in Your Headlights with Tom York. There's a really, really epic song called Lonely Soul, which features uh, Richard Ashcroft in it. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know him. Uh, no. He was in a so. band called The Verve in the UK. Oh, I know The Verve, yeah. They had this one really, really great the big hit in the 90s, something, Symphony, 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 I don't know. Bittersweet Symphony. The Bittersweet Symphony. Nice. Yeah. And he's on this track called Lonely Soul. And it's just like, the lyrics on it, it's just like, oh. <laughs> but I won't play that right What do you, what do you mean, it's like, rough? No, it's just, no, it's, it's good. It's just heavy, it's deep. It's like, gotcha. Uh, really. Oh, like, like heartfelt. Yeah. Emotional. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Raw soul, raw right track. Nice. And then you got other tracks like this one I'm going to play a little bit of called Bloodstain, which is just, it's like trip hoppy, big beat rock, but with just some weird indie rock vibes in it as well, I think. I don't know. See what you think. Yeah, let me see. Pretty dark. Pretty dark. <laughs> Pretty groovy and jammy, but it's got some kind of... Yeah, I mean, the whole album is sort creepy of... Creepy vibes a little bit. Dark in a way, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, I just... So there's uh, an artist called Alice Temple on the vocals as well, which I don't know too much about. I just looked her up and... Uh, oh, that's interesting, because it, it almost reminded me of Alice in Chains. Oh, really? The, the vibe a little bit, because that okay. kind of yeah. depressing vibe, you know? I don't... It, yeah. It's harsh, yeah, harsh, kind of heavy word, slow but... Slow rock. Yeah, kind of thing. yeah, just yeah. kind of taking its time and being kind of sad, yeah, kind of yeah. sad sounding, but you know, great sounding. Yeah, these these, these are words that I'm not trying to bring this project <laughs> down, but it's how it makes me feel a little bit, which I is mean, a yeah. testament to how good it is. I think I am drawn to like darker sounding minor chords in yeah. general. Like I was always told by people when I was coming up with ideas in the past, they're like, well, "That sounds sad." I'm like, "Well." <laughs> I don't know. I kind of like it. Oh, like, <laughs> I'm kind of sad. <laughs> kind of sad. Um, apparently, though, she uh, she's not that famous at all. Like, she did a few things in the UK, but mm -hmm. apparently, she was the first female UK and European BMX champion as well. That sounds S fun. Strange that's fact. Like fun lady for that person that's on that track. That's cool. Yeah, good for her. Yeah. I wonder where she's at these days. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, some weird samples in that track as well. Mm -hmm. You can tell that he's probably cut and spliced a few things from different places to create those weird haunting yeah. soundscapey things in there and stuff like that definitely but, sounds like a, a yeah. rainy day nighttime mm -hmm. kind of music for me at least yeah um and yeah. yeah so off that uncle album there was also mike d from the beastie boys yeah yeah and then he was um, on the track yeah there's a guy yeah. from metallica as well was his name um jason newstead which i didn't know oh yeah yeah he but, was the bass player before the guy that's in Metallica now. Oh, the original bass player? Not the, the, there was the original guy who left, might have passed away, I'm not sure. And then Jason Eustard was in Metallica for a long time. Okay. And then... The oh, you got some guy. Metallica knowledge I don't know about. I do. I used to listen to them, yeah. Okay. No, I, didn't, yeah. I actually haven't listened to them too much. Yeah. Uh, I've yet to get, they're on my list. You know, I like them. I like Metallica. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank yeah. you for letting me know that, dude. <laughs> There's a great weird documentary as well called Some Kind of Monster about Metallica, um, which is because they've got this image of this crazy big rock band. And then the, mm -hmm. the documentary is all about them going to therapy and trying to be nice to each other and stuff. Oh, really? <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. So they're even more dynamic. Yeah. I, I don't know much about them. I've, I have yet to explore them and I probably should. Yeah. Well, and they, that documentary is actually was when Jason used to left. So he's not in that documentary and they're on the search for a new bass player and they find this guy that used to play with, um, 
Ozzy Osbourne's band, mm-hmm. and his signing fee was a million dollars. They're like, we want you to be part of the band. Now here's a million dollars in cash. Sounds, well, sounds yeah. like a good deal to me. I'll take it. I would take it. I play a little yeah. bass. There you go. Yeah. So, but yeah, it was weird. I know we're digressing on that, but yeah, some kind of monster. Because they also auditioned a bunch of different bass players, and you can see all that whole process in that documentary as well, uh-huh. which is kind of crazy. But Where'd you find that documentary? Um, it was online. You can probably find it. It was on Netflix for a bit, I think. Okay. Might have been gone from there now, but I think it's online somewhere. Okay, I'll, I'll do a little hunting. Yeah, yeah. Do a little research. Some kind of monster. Um, so after Uncle, then they go to The Outsider in 2006? Yeah. That's what you're saying? That's what Shadow is doing. That's his next album after... Well, he did Preemptive Strike and then Outsider. Gotcha. Outsider, yeah. Um, well, wait, that, but Preemptive um, Strike isn't... Doesn't count as his... As a... Oh, sorry. Album in his discography. It's like a little bit of a compilation kind of side. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I guess I'm just talking about how they, how, yeah. you, how you... I meant to say uh, Private Press was his oh, okay. next full album after the Uncle Project. Yeah. Oh, so. God. Oh, Uncle was between the first and second albums. Yeah. Okay. Mm. I was thinking it was in between yeah. the second and third. I think so. No, you're probably right. Yeah. But yeah, the Private Press in 2002 yeah. and then Outsider in 2006. Mm-hmm. So he, he takes a few years between his albums, but he's relatively yeah. consistent. Yeah, yeah. I guess it still takes him a long time, because even though he's sampling stuff, um, like he has this album called The Mountain Will Fall, mm-hmm. which is his uh, his album before his most recent one that came out, I think, the end of last year or something, um, um, or this year. Yeah, I thought it was this year. It might have been this year, yeah. Um, so The Mountain Will Fall was before his most recent album and he was saying that he even though he samples like every time he goes to create an album he said it's like facing a a mountain oh you, right 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 i think i remember him talking about yeah, that yeah that you need to like climb over and i think he was, said he was tweeting about this somehow and someone mm-hmm. responded it was like oh that would be a good title for your album yeah so it's <laughs> a very cool analogy yeah. yeah i mean as a music maker yourself you know yeah. it takes a lot to create a whole fleshed out track yeah it's easy easy to come up with like a a little loop that you can loop around with for put a couple you know things on it and it sounds cool but like where does the music go and i think it's that thing like we talked about in the first episode as well about albums Mm -hmm. um i think this is going to be something we keep coming back to about albums but you know because he he was saying that about a project like a body of work like many tracks Mm -hmm. versus just one kind of thing you know it's interesting because i think maybe he's trying to sort of do a cohesive body of work through those tracks right you know because which is probably why it takes so long because you work on a bit of this track and a bit of that track and then you're sort of comparing them and seeing where they'll fit in the order in the playlist yeah everything kind of gets broken down by being referenced to each other like what am i doing on this track how does that affect this other track that i was going to put on this album and they kind of influence each other and build them up yeah as you climb the mountain exactly yeah as shadow says yeah the way of the shadow is that appropriate to call DJs like by their second like DJ Shadow? You call them uh, yeah. Shadow. Is that a, is that a normal thing in the in the industry yeah. or in the world? Yeah, I think so. Because people say Dilla, right? And you know who you're talking about. You don't have to say J- DJ Dilla. Yeah. Say Dilla. Dilla. Yeah. Or J Dilla. Actually, I don't think he goes by DJ. <laughs> it's J Dilla. <laughs> do a lot of DJs still go by DJ, or is that is that still is that I, more of an old school thing? I think it might be an old school thing. Yeah. Um, I just don't even know. I'm just asking. Well, that was something else that, uh, you know, DJ Shadow was talking about in his interview, mm-hmm. Sway in the Morning, I think. He was saying about, because they asked him about DJing in general and stuff like that. And he was like, well, in his day, you know, you had two turntables and you you just had your head down and you were trying to keep the music running and together. Right, you're put on the show, you got to do yeah. it live. And the you're, rappers you're were busy. out there doing the showmanship mm-hmm. part of it, you know, because he's like, you know, well, if this track runs out, I've got to do that. Or someone could bump the turntable and it will mess things up. Yeah. And, and then, but he said like, you know, these days you've got these, these guys that just, they're all digital and... Pull up Pro Tools <sighs> and hit play. They just hit play and they're just out there like doing crazy Which, shit. I think <laughs> everything's okay. You can do whatever yeah. you want and it's all good. There's a difference between you know, an entertainer or just somebody singing, like I'm a singer, I'm a vocalist singing something that somebody else wrote. 
Yeah. And then, you know, I'm a singer songwriter. I create art or I do weird stuff, do whatever you want. Yeah. So, you know, I try not to. No, yeah. But just like the approaches, yeah, like the style of DJing in the past to now. Because even, even though, I don't know if you would think as DJing as like a modern technological thing or not. But I, I barely understand computers or anything, <laughs> so it's all genius to me. But I mean, you know, because a lot of people in the past have like, well, you're just playing other people's music, you're not playing right. your own. Um, you know, even back in the day when I was playing shows in London and, you know, other people around me would get bummed out because the band is getting paid like $200 and the DJ is getting paid 1000 for a mm-hmm. night kind of thing. But it is know. interesting. But I think, oh, yeah. I I don't have any grievance with the DJs yeah. now, but like, um, but yeah, just the pro, the technical, what's involved now versus back then is like completely different in, in how you do it, and, and even the naming, like you said, I don't think a lot of DJs now call themselves DJ whatever they have the, like their own names. Jazzy J. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Whatever you got, <laughs> Jazzy Jeff. Yeah. Jazzy Jeff. That's what I'm thinking of. That's the guy. Um, um, good stuff. So then he, I mean, moves on 2011. The less you know, the better. Yeah. Are you familiar with that album? Um, not as much. No. Yeah, I try to listen through all the all the albums, and it's he consistently tries to do he he tries to do different things while being himself. Um, when yeah. I was reading through what he was saying, he he would he like makes a point to always be like I'm I just want to be be myself, mm-hmm. and that's super important to him. And he's not trying to copy these other artists. Um, he's like whether I succeed or if I don't succeed. Yeah. It is what it is, but I'm just trying to be myself. And that's, I think that's super cool. Yeah. Super cool place to be coming from to, to make music. Yeah. I think he said about like, you know, cause some people have a lot of his older fans have mixed reactions to his newer stuff. I'm like one of them. <laughs> as, as they like, all do. And, and I yeah. think one interesting thing that he said was there's, there's one point in, in time where music can enter your psyche. Mm-hmm. And I think he was given a, um, a little demonstration where there's like a line where you that's where you find the music and that's where the the world is like that's where something's gonna hit and I think he was saying like Neil Young like sometimes or any artist you'll go up and down you'll have hits you'll be out of the spotlight because you're doing different things you're trying new things yeah. and sometimes it lines up with the public persona or the industry that you're in and sometimes it doesn't yeah. but as long as you keep trying to do it and trying to be yourself Eventually, something's gonna wind up on that thing where everyone's lined up and just like everyone likes that. That's good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the 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 crazy thing, right? You can't really, as an artist, be hooked on the reaction. So yeah, much you can. To what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, it has to come from within you. Yeah. I mean, it's that's that's the most interesting thing about music. Like, where does this come from? Who? Why do people do this? Why do people work so hard and gather all of this? hardware and mm. stuff it in their basement and plug it all in <laughs> and make weird sounds yeah what's the point it's an interesting thing it. right it's like if anyone else that doesn't do music sees what you're doing or what you have to go through right. to make music they'll be like it's a bit crazy are you yeah are you like, okay <laughs> literally if you described it in another way like this yeah. guy's a almost like a hoarder of albums yeah dj shadow he's, he's hoarding he's going out and finding them yeah he's he's yeah. stealing them from your basement from your mom's <laughs> basement he's He's out in there in the shadows. He's, out, he's in the shadows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but he's honestly a great, super humble guy. Um, yeah. From everything that I've read. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he's not trying to be... And there's some other things he said as well. Like, he actually did, during his career, get offered some, like, big things to do. Like he said, like, Apple approached him in the late 90s about being in one of their ads, like iPod ad or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he was like, nah, so I no, I don't want to do that. Um, Doesn't want to sell out. Yeah, he said he didn't want to sell out or appear to be a certain way or something, which is, you know. Yeah, I think yeah. he didn't want to be creating music for adverts. Yeah. He doesn't want his music to be known for that, I suppose. Yeah, and he said, like, he's, yeah, he's, like, known for not really letting his music be licensed mm-hmm. for ads and stuff like that. But he eventually did for, was it Coke? Coca-Cola? Yeah, he said he got... One day? Yeah. Off, he said uh, some Coke commercial with Steve Martin in it. And so it sounds like a good commercial. Like, yeah. I haven't seen it. I don't know what it was. I, I should have looked that up. That would have yeah. been actually kind of funny. It seems like it would be a Super Bowl thing. I don't know. It seemed but, like a big commercial. What year? Yeah. Was, I mean, it was like 2010-ish or something that, around. Yeah. yeah. I'm just, yeah. That's kind of a guess. But. Yeah. 
But you do hear like some of Shadow's tracks now on. Uh, like I've heard one of his that gets played a lot on like commercials and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. so maybe that's changed since then, or his labels in charge of it or something. But sure. it's still only one track. Like you don't hear a lot of the rest of his tracks used widely on on anything kind of thing. That's how I prefer it. I prefer yeah. to listen to music. Yeah. yeah. Just even without visuals a lot of the time, not on YouTube, just just the audio. Yeah. Not on an advertisement. Yeah. That's what I would prefer, but Well I can see how it can cheapen the music as well, right? If you've got this one track that's heard over and over again. And it does. So yeah. many people are sick of these songs that get overplayed. Exactly. It's yeah. a it's a weird situation because today artists aren't getting paid very much music from these streaming platforms where everybody expects free music for me yeah i just want to turn it on and get it for free <laughs> yeah. i have access to all of it yeah i pay my you know 10.99 spotify your favorite bill to pay that, you said i said stuff. it before exactly <laughs> favorite bill to pay and it, and it is awesome but as yeah. an artist i'm like i'm not getting any money mm-hmm. and and when i do the research these people are getting you know pennies on the dollar for yeah. for this stuff i mean this guy's traveling around collecting records around the yeah. country bringing it home checking him out making cool music yeah and you know i don't know how much he's getting paid he's i'm sure he's doing pretty well at this point with that coke commercial yeah well he probably got a good sum at that time yeah and hopefully he's riding off that and hopefully he's still doing really well yeah um in 2016 he he did the the mountain will fall Mm -hmm. so there was that and then i guess we're up until the the latest record which yeah i don't know this was what i have here is 2019 but i thought even maybe it was 2020 yeah I feel like it's so recent. But know, either way, recent within the last year and a half or so. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's a big one. It's a, it's a double album. Yeah. I think the, the first part of it, the first 11 tracks or so are instrumental. And then the, mm-hmm. the second half, 10 or 15 tracks or so, has a lot of yeah. vocalists. Yeah. Um, I think I had those written down because there's a, there's a lot of cool prevalent um, yeah. vocalists from today mm-hmm. on there. And I don't know where I have that pulled up, so I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, then, oh, so Nas, mm-hmm. De La Soul. There we go. Ghostface Killer. There we go. Raekwon. Uh, who else? But I run, recognize Run the Jewels. Mm-hmm. And some of these people he've worked with in the past on his music. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Run the Jewels is on a previous album, I think. Um, yeah. I mean, like... It's, it's a strange thing because he's been around for so long, you know, um, um, you know, the the sound of his that I first discovered was that weird sampled vinyl sound. Mm-hmm. And his latest sound is, uh, I would say it's more modern sounding. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's partly, you know, obviously because he's evolving and changing as an artist. Totally. And also, also I, I feel like it's a change in the technology that he's using to create the music, you know. Because yeah, I mean, because when he started out, you know, it was uh, the the uh, the MPC Akai machine, mm-hmm. which is like this big old box that you know takes floppy disks and stuff like that. You know, <laughs> what's a floppy disk? Exactly. Yeah, no one knows. <laughs> um, and you know, now I think you know he can use Ableton and all this other stuff. You know, you're not so limited with what you can. And do. hopefully, he feels but, more free. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it does it, change the sound, I think, as well, and makes it a little bit more polished sounding and, you know. I think but, one, one interview, I think it was a German interview, and he was asking him at the end, he was like, can you do mm. a four-track one? Would that sound cool today? Mm. If you kind of did it the same way, even if you did it in Pro Tools or Ableton, whatever, yeah. and still kind of arrange it and yeah. keep yourself limited in that way, would that sound cool? Would that sound modern? Would it sound old school? Mm. Um, I don't remember what he said, but it's an interesting question, at least, to think yeah. about. It is. You do see... People u- utilizing those old machines and li- and new recordings now. Yeah, like, uh, you know, um, I'm gonna forget names now. This is embarrassing. But I can't no help one, you, but no one else I, knows. So I, I don't my, know. It's only in my head right now. <laughs> we'll, we'll, Someone we'll, you know, but well, we'll uh, I'll figure that out later. Let um, me know. Let me know. Uh, yeah, he's a, a hip hop producer here in Seattle, but he's uh, he got like a tape machine and is using that to create certain textures and sounds and stuff like that. Like, you know, I think people still use it to record weird instruments and then reprocess it and like that kind of thing. Yeah, kind yeah. of a yeah, a, you know, analog yeah, processing yeah. of yeah. of modern 
modern music making. But do you know the this band, the Presidents of the United States of America? Yeah, they have a... They did Peaches. Peaches. All that. Millions of peaches. Yeah, so the track, that album, uh, the album that that track's on, they recorded the entire album on a four-track, eight-track really? tape machine. When did, that, when did that album come out? That was... Oof. I mean, in the late, 90s? Late 90s, late I think, 90s? yeah. Something like that. 97 or something? I'm not sure. But and at that point, people were already using Pro Tools and computers yeah, and stuff, right? that was like the start, I think, of computer stuff. Yeah, I mean, I was I had Logic in 1999. Really? Very, before Apple bought it, it was called eMagic Logic. And you had eMagic Logic? From this German company called eMagic, yeah. That's um, insane. And it worked. <laughs> it worked. Uh, you know, it was amazing. I was just like, well, well, shit. Yeah. Was, it, was it easy to... Figure out how to use. Uh, luckily, I had uh, this other guy set it up, and I was producing music with him, and he like knew it inside and out. So I just sat mm -hmm. there and watched how he did it, and then. So it's kind know. of the same thing as DJ Shadow when he yeah. was, you know, he had his little equipment, and he would go to his buddy's house or somebody yeah. who had Pro Tools, yeah, to engineer yeah. and record it at his place. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's interesting. That's a, another whole topic about you know, which something that parallels. DJ Shadow's career is the because I think what he's doing is modern. It was modern at the time when he first started doing it, right? Sampling in general, and how even the technology has changed that's even impacted how you create it that way, you know? Right. You know, when he started, I don't think you could just uh, take your guitar loop and change its key and change its timing. Like, that was a lot of work. You have to like cut it into a million different. Bits to do I can't that. imagine. Like now you just click a button and it's like a couple yeah. of snip snap, <laughs> new song. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So, so I mean that yeah. I recommend everybody listen to that latest album because this guy's still yeah. trying to do things in modern ways. He's still trying to do things in new ways, and that's kind of I don't know what he's made his career based on. Yeah, you know, being himself, being weird, trying new things. Yeah, trying cool things. Yeah, paying homage to the the people that he loves that inspired him. Yeah. Sounds like a super humble guy. Yeah, for sure. Super down to earth, super yeah. chill. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I recommend everybody give him a listen, especially that yeah. first album, Introdu Introducing. Yeah, it's classic. Yeah, thing. I'm probably going to listen to that on my way home tonight. Nice. <laughs> well, do we want to uh, play out with any song in particular? Or? Yeah, give me something good. Surprise me. Surprise you. Okay. Um... Thanks to everybody for listening in. Uh, Rooster Grooves, number two. Yeah. I think we're going to record another one maybe tonight. We're going to do it, yeah. And uh, thanks for indulging me, Jesse, on my fan. This guy's good. I'm, I'm, really, <laughs> I'm really glad you brought this up to my attention. Because I, I, yeah. I think also, I think you showed me this album at your house yeah. one day. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I don't know who that is. Never heard of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, it turns out to be great. Yeah. I try and tell everyone about it. Because it's just, to me, it's just a very layered complex composition every totally. track it's not simple in any way mm -hmm. and knowing the story about how they created it as well is just even more crazy yeah, yeah i love that like, hearing the yeah. story about how it's created makes yeah. makes it that much more immersive when you're yeah. when you're in that world so here's this track then i'm gonna play rosie from his latest album and i like it because it does like a switch in between and it mm -hmm. just completely changes i like that <laughs> switch it out all right cool catch you next episode Thanks everybody. Yeah, thanks everybody. I seen the rosy in my midnight jeans. I seen the rosy in my midnight jeans. Roots to Grooves is a production of Signal Radio. For more music and independent culture, visit signalradio.com.